You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. So today I want to minister and share on the anointing is for a purpose. Anointing is for a purpose. And the first scripture I want to read is just Isaiah 61 or Luke 4.18. It's exactly the same. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim and release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set those who are oppressed free, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Can you see here that when Jesus stood up, He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the gospel. So the anointing is there for a purpose. It is to bring hope. It is there for good news. Amen. That's why God empowers us for a purpose. It's an anointing that takes place outwardly, but God empowers us inwardly so that we can go out and share the word of God. Amen. Bring good news to people. Help people be set free. One thing is true that we need a fresh anointing for 2024. Amen? We need an anointing for 2024. When you're a believer, when you're a believer, accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, you are born again, born from above, born from love. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, you are joined to the Holy Spirit. Talking about born-again believer, anointing is the reward. Can I have one amen? Amen. Let me complete that. The Holy Spirit, when we look at Acts 5 verse 32, the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey Him. So this is what it's all about. When the anointing comes upon you, when you're anointed, it's for a purpose, but it's to help us for successful living. The Holy Spirit is our friend so that we can be successful in what God has called us to do. When somebody is anointed, they are set apart for a specific assignment. And people have watered down anointing, they've watered down the presence of the Holy Spirit so much. The Holy Spirit is our friend, but I want to remind you that for the Holy Spirit to be here, for us to experience His presence here today, cost Jesus Christ his life. Jesus had to die on the cross before the Holy Spirit could be poured out. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel 16. And I'm going to read one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Do you love the stories about David? Where are we? 1 Samuel 16. Verse 13, are you there? The Bible says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. If you read verse 14, you'll see, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. This wasn't just merely a physical act. But it was a spiritual empowerment. 
It was an outward sign the anointing was placed, the anointing oil was placed upon him. But what happened afterwards, the Holy Spirit remained with him. Very interesting that when they anointed somebody, the anointing oil in the Old Testament, the fragrances that was mixed together, when you anointed somebody with that oil, you could smell it on somebody for almost two weeks. So they would be able to smell and see this guy was anointed. It's the same when, when you've been in God's presence in his anointing, there's a fragrance that sticks to you. Many times you'll, you'll visit conferences where there's a specific anointing and it will rub off on you. And you'd want to do everything that was preached at that conference until two weeks later. Then we see how much that conference really had an impact on you. That's why it's good to be in a church where that anointing can rub off on you the whole time. So David, when he was anointed as king, from that very minute, things started to change in his life. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was with him, and his behavior started to change. He started walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we can see that David was very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Remember in Psalm 51, when he had messed up, what was one of the prayers that he prayed? He said, do not let your spirit depart from me. Because he knew the difference in his life was the Holy Spirit, God's presence. And we see from that very moment, and I submit to you, you can go and look. But from that moment that he was anointed, he continued with his normal assignments. He was still a shepherd, boy in the field, looking after his father's sheep. But now suddenly he started and walking in a new confidence, a new power, a new boldness. That when a lion came and wanted to destroy the sheep, he said, not on my shift. God's presence is with me. I've got a help in the friend of the Holy Spirit. I've got news for you, lion. And he would kill a lion. And when a bear came, he killed a bear. And he understood that it was the Holy Spirit working in him and through him and with him to start to do extraordinary things. And he could start to step out and not be a part of the crowd anymore, but be one with a difference. Can I tell you something? Some of you that's been facing giants, just look back at where you've killed the lion and the bear, because the same anointing that killed the lion, killed the bear, will kill the giant. Give the Lord a hand. So the Holy Spirit helping us can help you with the lion, will help you with the bear, will help you with the giant. So it was an outward sign, but the most important thing is that the Holy Spirit remained with David. In the Old Covenant, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. And every time they sinned, the Holy Spirit would withdraw. That's why David, when he sinned, he prayed, do not let your spirit depart from me. But under the new covenant, the better covenant, the Holy Spirit remains with us. That's why Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Amen? But he started to rule as a king. He was not in the office of a king, but he started to rule as a king. He started to do things differently. Some of you, God has called you and anointed you and set you apart to do certain things. 
but you think everything is just going to happen one day when you step into that office. No. Look at Joseph. Joseph was in prison, but he did not behave like a prisoner. He behaved like a ruler because God said to him, you belong in the palace. What God showed him, he said, when he was in prison, he said, I know where I belong. I belong in the palace. But even when he was in prison, he allowed that anointing to work in him and through him. And he did things with such excellence that they put him in charge of everything. That's the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit when you've been anointed. doesn't matter where you go. People will see there's something different about you. Turn to the person next to you and say, anointing. Turn to the person on the other side and say, anointing. So anointing means that you are separated for a divine purpose. Amen? You're separated for a divine purpose. Empowered for a divine purpose. And you can walk in that. That anointing that empowers you, helps you to be different. Helps you to be better than who you are. When you have been anointed and God has empowered you, you can do things better. Amen? This anointing that we receive from God, this empowerment that we receive, is because of the grace of God. The Holy Spirit is here because Jesus died on the cross. So when we talk about grace, grace is what God is doing for us. God treating us better than what we deserve. Sometimes God is doing things in your life and you haven't even done anything. Sometimes you think it's your prayers and it's not even your prayers, it's somebody else's prayers that's being prayed and God is showing grace towards you. Amen? Am I helping some of you here today? The Holy Spirit and His anointing, His presence is so precious. We should protect it with everything. During the time of worship, you were aware of God's presence. We should protect that. That peace is what God also places within our hearts and we should guard it. Amen? So the Holy Spirit is there to help us. Everything that God does for us, it's grace. And when we talk about the grace of God, it's unmerited favor. God chooses grace rather than work, so that no man should boast, but everybody should give glory to God. Amen? So when you see God doing something extraordinary in your life, say, thank you, Jesus. Let me just say this about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will do unusual things in your life, unusual miracles. But the Holy Spirit is not weird. Can I have an amen? The Holy Spirit's not weird. Okay, he doesn't do weird stuff. He's, he's God, amen? He's a God of order. He's a holy God. He's a righteous God. When, when Samuel anointed David, that oil after a while dried up, but the Holy Spirit remained with him. That's the most important part, for the Holy Spirit to remain with us. The, the oil... Do we have some oil somewhere? Just give me a piece of oil here quickly. This is not power. This is just a symbol that was placed. We don't put our faith in the oil. 
We put our faith in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you put your faith in the oil, this will become a charm. And that which was intended to be a blessing becomes a curse. Am I talking to the right people here today? Sometimes we put our faith more in the oil than in Jesus Christ. When Peter was questioned about the man at the gate, beautiful, that was healed, he said, faith in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ has made this man whole. Oil in itself cannot change your life because every time you fry eggs or make fed cook and you eat it, then your life would get better. And that's not happening, is it? <laughs> so oil in itself cannot do anything. But when it gets done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's where the power is, amen? And remember I said earlier on, God's word is exalted above his name. So sometimes people want to do things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it does not line up with the word of God. It must always line up with the word of God. God can anoint anything. God can anoint anything, amen? Just give me that piece of wood quickly here. Let's say this, just this one is fine. This is a bit of a large, but let's say this was Elisha's femur. There's going to be a giant, the man, okay, but okay. Let's say this was one of Elisha's bones. Remember the story when they threw a dead man on his bones, the man came to life. There was resurrection power in the bones of Elisha because he was so obedient to the word of God that resurrection power started to saturate his bones in every part of him. Fellow, imagine I had Elisha's bone here. And I said, okay, anybody wants a touch from this bone, I'm just going to hit you today with this bone. Who would line up? Everybody. Hit me hard, pastor. I need resurrection power. <laughs> and tomorrow I'll be in the newspapers and in trouble. Some of you would say, no, 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 pastor. Just a little bit of the dust of the bone. Just, just blow it on me. And some of you would put more trust in the resurrection power of Elisha's bones who lived in the Old Testament than what you would put in Jesus Christ who was raised from the dead. And sometimes we want to put our faith in an object, bones or oil or whatever. But our trust should be in Jesus Christ. So give the Lord a hand. Amen. Do I believe God can anoint anything? Yes, I believe God can anoint anything. But we have to look at the pattern in the Word of God. Amen? Maybe I'll say a little bit more about that. Very interesting. Saul was anointed out of a clay jar. Whereas David was anointed out of a ram's horn. The clay speaks of man's choice. Man was formed from the earth. Israel wanted a king. So when he was anointed, he was anointed out of a clay jar representing man's choice. But David was anointed out of a ram's horn means God's authority. The songs that they sang, if man anoints you, you're in trouble. You need the anointing of God upon your life. We could see God was 
God anointed David with a different anointing because of the songs that the people sang. They sang, Saul had killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. There was a different grace upon his life. David was not the strongest. Listen to me, David was not the strongest. They came to him because they saw the grace, the anointing upon his life. Giant slayers came to him and said, we want to be with you because there's something different about you. The anointing upon your life is different. You don't speak so well. You're a little bit too short. We don't like your attitude. You sing more than what you fight. But somehow God is with you. You can kill lions and bears and giants. We'll be with you. And go read. He had men who did all those things, but they came to him because of this different anointing that was upon him. When the Spirit of God departed from Saul, when the giant appeared and started defiling the armies of God, and Saul suddenly heard, here's a, here's a young boy that says, you'll sort out this giant. What did Saul say to him? In 1 Samuel 17 verse 33, he says, And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight him, for you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. He said, Listen here, this guy's more qualified than you. He's got more experience than you. You're going to die. David said to him, I want to say something to you quickly. I've killed the lion and I've killed the bear. And Saul said, wait, let me, what? Just say that again. I've killed the lion, I've killed the bear. Okay, let me listen. You cannot kill a lion, you cannot kill a bear. I know God is with you. I know God is with you. Why would a king send a boy in? Can I tell you something? Because when Saul was anointed as king, you can go read your Bible. Uh, 1 Samuel 14, 52, you can go read it. Saul used to go on the battlefield. When he was anointed, in confidence, walking with God, Saul would go on the battlefield and look for the biggest guy and say, big guy, your mind come. And he would take out the biggest guy. But when the anointing departed from him, he did not have confidence anymore to do that. But when he was listening to what David was saying, he's saying, God's with this guy. I can send him. He'll kill this giant. Am I talking to the right people here this morning? You have a friend in the Holy Spirit who's ready to dispose of giants in your life. Can I tell you something? When God anoints you, you will look better than what you are. You'll be able to do more than what you can actually do. You'll look stronger and be stronger, and God will start to do unusual things in your life because of the working of the Holy Spirit. Not because you're a giant slayer but because you have a friend in the Holy Spirit who disposes of giants in your life. Saul was supposed to kill Goliath. But he was not walking in that confidence anymore. The beautiful thing about David, David acknowledged Saul to be God's anointed, even though God's presence had left him. There's a whole teaching just in that. Samson, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit departed from him and he did not even know it. Many people, because of their disobedience, they're still confessing Jesus, but they're not obeying the word and the Holy Spirit is left. The anointing will transform you. 
when you allow the word of God, which is anointed by the Holy Spirit, 1 Peter says, holy men, when they were moved by the Holy Spirit, wrote down the Holy Scriptures. This word is Holy Spirit breathed. And when you allow this to become an integral part of you, by its very nature, it will start to change you. The anointing will destroy yokes in your life. And the anointing will lead you to remove weights in your life. Certain jackets that you've put on, you were supposed to take them off and leave them in 2023. If you look at the Word of God, 1 Samuel 17, 38, what did Saul say to David? He said, okay, let's do this, but at least just put on my armor. Take my weaponry, clothe yourself with it. And when David put it on, he started, he said, no, mm-mm. I've not tested it. This is going to kill me. He said, let me take it off. The Bible says, and he took it off. In the book of Hebrews 12, it says, lay aside every weight so that you can run the race with endurance. David knew if he kept on that armory, that weight, he would die. Can I just say this? I'm I'm talking to Christians now because sometimes we think weights are sin. But To put on Saul's armor was not a sin. It was just not the right thing for David. That's why he had to remove it. Many of you are carrying things with you that you have to take off. There are certain things that's not wrong. I know some people that's now big time into gymming. But if your gymming is taking you away from God, gymming is not wrong. Gymming is discipline. I love it. You should exercise. You should look. But if that is taking you away from God, it can become a weight. Then you have to get. There are certain people in your life. They are good people. They are great people. But they become weights in your life. You have to disconnect from them. Am I talking to the right people here? David knew the race that was set before him. He knew what God had anointed him to be. God anointed him to be an original, not a copycat. Many of you have asked God to anoint you to deal with giants. But you are looking at the armor of other kings to get the victory. There's a whole sermon just in that. There are certain things that cause Christians not to run, to slow down. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and all these other things choke the word of God out of your heart, and then it becomes nothing. So many of you are saying, I'm working on things. It should fall in place. It's there. It should happen. And then suddenly it falls to nothing. Why, why, why? I'll tell you why. The Bible says, because you've lost your focus. You started worrying more about the deal, the money, all those things, and it choked the word of God. And where you went into that deal with faith and confidence, these things have choked the word of God out of your heart. Am I talking to the right people? Just smile at me. (laughs) Can you see why Moses asked God before he went into the promised land, Let your presence 
go before me. If your presence does not go before me, I'm not going into the promised land. Because if you're not waiting for me in the promised land, I'm in trouble, God. Because in the promised land, there's giants, there's high walls, there's nasty people. Should I go on? And you need the presence of God to go before you. You need the friend in the Holy Spirit to dispose of those giants. When the word is dominating your heart is when you give Jesus the rightful place. Amen. Can I go on a little bit more about the anointing? We are called to be willing like David. Have a heart and obey. Can I just say this quickly? David was anointed to be a king. And God blessed him wherever he went. When David was not busy with his purpose, he messed up. Go read 2 Samuel 11 verse 1. At the appointed time when kings go out to war, David stayed at home. So when God has anointed you to do certain things, and you start doing other things, be careful. You're playing with fire. When you know God has called you to minister, go do that. If God has called you in business to be a, a financial channel, then be that. Be that. When he's called you to counsel, then counsel. If he's called you to serve, serve. What God has called you to do, do that and be faithful in that. Amen? Turn to the person next to you say, I have to tell somebody about this. It's not for me, but I'm, I know I have to tell somebody about this. Can I, can I say something? It's not in my notes. Yesterday I was just talking to the family and suddenly God just revealed something to me. Can I say what the anointing is not? Go to 2 Samuel 6. You know, yesterday I saw something for the first time. I said, God, how many times have I read your word and I've not seen this? Go to 2 Samuel 6. Verse 2 says, I'm reading from the New King James. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up from the ark of God, whose name is called by the name, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim, so they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Uzzah and Ayo and the sons of Abinadab drove the new cart. And you know the story that in verse 6, Uzzah put out his hand and the ark of God took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the Lord struck him for his error and died by the ark of God. And I read this and... <clears throat> This is not actually what I was reading. I was reading in the book of Chronicles. Yeah, verse 13. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult him about the proper order. So the priest and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bore the ark of God on their shoulders by its poles, as Moses had commanded according to the word of God. So I don't know if you know the story, what happened, but the ark was taken away. 
The glory was removed. The presence of God was removed. And David wanted to bring it back. And when he brought it back, they put it on this cart, and then somebody died. You think, yeah, that's a bit harsh. And you even see that David was afraid of God. And I said, God, but what am I missing here? And the Lord took me to 1 Samuel 6. The whole thing when the ark was taken away, and it was in the temple of Dagon. And remember, Dagon fell on his face, and then his arms broke off. And Dagon was the national god of the Philistines. But the priests and the diviners, they were the one ministering in that temple. So when they took the Ark of the Covenant and brought it to the, the temple of Dagon, the Philistines got sick. God's hand was against them. So they said, whoa, 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 this is not going to work for us. We have to get rid of the Ark, this presence of God. So they called their priests their diviners, their soothsayers, and said, okay, tell us what to do. And they said, what you should do, you should put this ark on a new cart and take two milk cows and let them just run. Now, the reason why they said that, they took two milk cows. If you take a cow that's with a calf, there's no way that that cow is going to leave the calves. So they would know that the hand of God, the Spirit of God is leading those cows and where to take them. And you can go read it. The Philistine chiefs came, the kings came, and they looked at what was going on here. But these priests of Dagon's temple, the diviners, they came and they said, you have to take sacrifices, golden rats, and place it there, put it on a cart with the cows, and it was not about the cart, it was about the cows, because those cows would go nowhere. And they said, leave them, you'll see, they'll take them away. And it went. Now we go back. David put the ark on a cart, which is not the biblical pattern. The priest should put poles through, and they should carry it. And God spoke to me and said, this is what happens we start to combine the things of the world. Priests that worship in devil's temples, soothsayers' ways, we combine it with his ways, and we think God should approve of it. Am I talking to the right people here? And even David, the man after God's own heart, he put the ark on a cart. Where did he get that? There. And second time around, he's told those priests, okay, this is how it's going to work. And David even took off his king's cloak. He dropped his king's cloak. And he put on the clothes that the priests wore. David, a type of a king and a priest, our Jesus Christ. And they would take six steps and put it down and they would worship and they would dance. And they honored God's presence according to the pattern. Turn to the person next to you and say, when it comes to God's presence, there's a pattern. Can I say a little bit more? Are you, can we go, can I? So when it comes to anointing, when it comes to God's presence, there's a, a way to do it. And the book of James tells us what is that way. So here's the pattern. Can I just read? James 5, 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil 
in the name of the Lord. That's very interesting that they specifically mention oil. It says, anoint them with oil. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. Not the oil, the prayer of faith. Faith in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ has made, made this man whole. Now, can God bless any object? Yes. Have I prayed and asked God, should I bless anything? You know what he said to me? No. He said, be an original. So I know there are many people blessing different things. And if they've heard from God, then do it. But I'm telling you, the majority are copycats. They saw somebody did it, and now they want to do it. But they don't have the grace for it, to do it. When you look at Bible again, viewing it in the light of God's word, there were two people who did ordinary things contrary to this. Peter, who shadow healed people, but he was the main biscuit. Amen. He was the kingpin. He's, you know, <laughs> he denied Jesus and then got back to, with God. He understood grace. Go read the book of Peter and you'll understand. He understands the divine nature of God, that it's not him, that it's God's divine nature working in him that's become part of him, that his shadow can heal people. Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, his handkerchiefs, he didn't pray over them and say, I bless this handkerchief, go put it on that person. The Bible says things that he touched because he was so saturated with the anointing and resurrection power that even when they took those things from him, it healed people. Can I tell you the mistake that we make in the church? We take handkerchief ministry and we make a doctrine of it. We said, if you want to be healed, you have to get a handkerchief from this and this person, then you'll be healed. That's not Bible. The Bible is if you seek, call for the elders, let them anoint you with oil. Can I have one amen? amen? If people are doing cloths, and there are many men of God that are anointed and have graces to do that, great stuff, do it. I'm not against that. But I'm saying just be careful if somebody always wants to go off what the Word of God says. Out of all the disciples, only two people, shadow and handkerchiefs. I've, I've had objects that I've given to people and God has done something for them, but it's in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen? amen. Can I talk a little bit further? Can I say something more about this? The Bible says when Jesus said, Go heal the sick. Go cast out demons. Go raise the dead. In that whole context of healing, deliverance, breakthrough, he says, freely you've received, freely give. That which is a grace, what God is doing, nowhere in the Bible do I see that you can charge for that. Any money. Nowhere, nowhere you cannot go to 2 Kings 5. You know the story about Naaman? So Naaman was 
a leper, his king gave him a lot of money, a lot of clothes, and said, go, we've heard that there's somebody that can heal you in Israel. And that thing could have turned into a war, because when he got to the king, he said to the king, listen here, there's somebody in your land that can heal me, heal me. And he said, what are you looking for trouble? And the man of God hears about it, and he says, tell him to come. And he comes, and doesn't even see him. He sends a message, and he says, just go dunk yourself, go wash yourself seven times, and you'll be healed. And he's actually upset. He says, why doesn't he come out and wave his hand over me? Shouldn't, doesn't he know who I am? Shouldn't he at least meet with me? And we don't know why he didn't do that, but that's what happened. But he got healed. And let me just say that. That was a prophetic word. That wasn't him praying for healing. Something completely different. That was a prophetic word, inspiration by the Holy Spirit. Go do that and you'll be healed. And when he did that, he was healed. So if somebody have told you, you must go do certain things and you'll get healed, and that doesn't happen, it was not a word from God. Let me just, it's not a word from God because here he got healed and now he's coming back. Remember the 10 lepers? Jesus that healed the 10 lepers, only one came back. So it's good that Naaman came back and he wanted to give glory to God. So let's look here. Go to verse 16. But he said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. So let me just say here, here Naaman comes back, a man of authority. He urges him. He pushes him. He says, please just take something. You've, you've healed me. He says, I've not healed you. God healed you. I can take nothing. He urged him. He pushed him. He said, no, 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 no. Why? Because grace is what God does. And what God does, we cannot charge for that. No, it's, it's like you. It's, it's like Mtati Mufakeng comes to me and he says, this is my great-grandmother's wedding ring. It's precious to me. It's worth 200000 I want to give it to you. God said, I must give it to you. You must bless a couple to get married this year. I said, thank you, Ntatimo, for king. Give me a 200,000 and drink. What are you thinking? Now something, somebody comes, they said, they want to get married. And we don't have a ring. I said, I have a ring. Here's a nice ring for you. We cannot afford it. We can see it's a 200,000 rand ring. Don't worry. I've got a bargain of the century. 20,000 and it's yours. Now, they're desperate. Are they going to give the 20,000? Yes. None Tatim of a king finds out I've sold his mother's precious gift at a bargain. It's worth 200,000. I let it slip for 20,000 or 2,000 or whatever. What do you think he's going to do with me? <laughs> Where do you think our friendship is going to be? Now, how much more precious is the Holy Spirit who Jesus Christ had to die for to be here? Romans 8 said, if God did not withhold Jesus, why will he withhold anything from you? Am I talking to the right people here? Do you know what happens here? Go read it. Verse 20. Verse 20. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Look, my master has spared Naaman, 
the Syrian. He says, what? He just let him go. That's not me. I'm going to take a gap. He goes after him and he said, mm, there's two prophets that pitched up now, two men of God. I know you love men of God. We need some clothes for them and money. He says, no problem, take. He gives extra. I calculate, it's almost 100,000 that he collected. And Elisha meets up with him. I'm just going to read. Go, verse, go to verse 26. Then he said to him, did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money and to receive clothes, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants? He said, it's not our time to receive. It was our time to give. His time to give will come. But it's not now while he's desperate. Let him be a happy giver. Let him be a cheerful giver. The time of giving will come when he will bless the work of God. But it's not now. It's now time to receive. Because we are busy with the anointing. We are busy with God's presence. That which is holy. Which cannot be purchased with money. Am I helping some of you here? Freely we've received, freely we give. I think many people that charge are good people, but they've just been trained or equipped wrongly, heard a wrong teaching. This is my view. If I'm wrong, I'm prepared to look at Scripture. But from Scripture, I'm just reading Scripture. What is freely received, that which is a grace, you cannot charge for it. You have to freely give that. Because you've received it by grace, and it's just a grace if you can give it. Amen. Let me see how quickly I can land. So it's not about just having the outward sign. But 2 Corinthians 1.22, it says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Ephesians 1.13 says that the Holy Spirit has sealed us off. So we don't just want the outward sign. When that anointing dries up and is gone, we want the Holy Spirit to remain with us. And that is simply yielding to God's word and God's presence. 1 John 2 verse 27 says the following, as for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you. What is that? The anointing, it's the Holy Spirit working in us. It's him who anoints us. Amen? Christ, the anointed one, abides in you and you have no need for anyone to teach you. What does that mean? It means the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you. But any way that the Holy Spirit leads you, it will line up with the word of God. The Holy Spirit won't tell you to do something weird and funny. Amen? It's not weird. Unusual, Yes. Unusual miracles, but not weird, not funny, funny stuff. Amen? But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Can I tell you something? When I look at that, whether you like it or not, you're an anointed one. 
Can I say it again? Whether you like it or not, you're an anointed one. Whether you're going to believe it or not, that's up to you. So let me close with this. The anointing is for a purpose. It's for a purpose. It's to help others. Amen? It's not to enrich yourself. It's to help others. It's to be a blessing, to preach the gospel to the poor. It's to heal the brokenhearted. It's to set the captives free. I had such a beautiful testimony of a lady last week that I met. She said, I took your challenge to stay for a year. She said, I was battling with addiction from the first week that I attended the church. It stopped. I'd lost my house, I'd lost my car, and God had restored everything within a year. That's the anointing, the grace of God working in and through that person. Give the Lord a hand. So when you believe that you're an anointed one, believe that you are separated for a specific assignment. Do you know what it means to be anointed? When you have been separated, anointed, it means God's eyes are upon you and his ears are attentive to your cries. Amen? That's what it means. And when you, God separates you, separates you in his eye. Now when you pray, when you've been anointed, you know God is listening to what I'm saying. You still have to pray. You still have to ask him, and he's going to do it. Amen. It means you're going to have to live a consecrated life. It means you're going to have to say, Lord, come and take the rightful place in my heart. Acts 4.32. The Holy Spirit is given to those who obey him. Can I say this? We make the year new. Who wants a happy new year? We make the year new by the way that we live. Live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Depend and rely on the Holy Spirit to help you with everything. This anointing, when you allow it into your life, it will transform you. 2 Corinthians 3, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. When that veil is taken away and you start looking into this mirror, we are being changed from glory to glory. How? By the Holy Spirit. So if you say, come into my life, guess what? Things are going to start to change. Holy Spirit will change you. Let it move from the outward sign here to here. And you'll see what God will do, how he will take you just from where you are to where God wants you to be. Turn to the person next to you say, whether you like it or not, your anointed one. Turn to the person on the other side and say, whether you like it or not, your anointed one. Amen. If you believe your anointed one, let me tell you this, faith acts now. Faith believes now, faith receives now. Not when you're the king in the palace, when you're out with the sheep, and that lion comes, taste that anointing there. When the bear comes, taste that anointing there. That when you have to face the giant on the battlefield in front of everybody, you know how that anointing works. You know how you can trust and rely on the Holy Spirit to help you. See you Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website www.hoc.org.za Household of Christ. Loving God. Loving people.